Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastside.co. You know, walking with the Lord is, it's wild. It's a trip. And I don't mean that in some kind of weird, disrespectful way. I mean that because he just really surprises me often when I think I have a grasp on something in some area. You know, and it's not like I'm all boastful out there, like, Lord, I got this one. You don't need to show me anything else here. I just, that's kind of my, my posture is I have a pretty good grasp right here. And then he, you know, that, that word revelation is when he literally just pulls back the curtain. And you see something and you go, oh, my goodness, Lord. I thought. I knew. I thought I had it. But there's so much more. And it just seems like he does that continually. So that's kind of what this week and this study has, has been like for me. Um, so it's a personal message. And I, I think those uh, tend to be the best as Michael Wallace shared a very personal message last week and things that the Lord was showing him, and it was fantastic. So thank you. Can we honor Michael again for that great word last week? It was fantastic. So it's kind of like those 3D puzzles. You guys ever done those 3D puzzles before where you stand there and you look and you think, there's only, there's only the picture I'm seeing here, and then all of a sudden you do this little funny thing with your eyes, and that 3D picture of a completely different image pops out. Who's done it? Who knows what I'm talking about? Who thinks, Brandon, you're crazy? All right, good. Do you see all those hands? I'm not crazy, Lynn, right? And so that's kind of what it is with the Lord. That's, that's, that's kind of what he does. And what we're going to talk about today is, really, what's the point? You know, what's the goal of our faith? What's the goal of our Christian experience? And why is it necessary that we have one of those? And it is well-defined, is where we're going to go. So we're going to start in 1 Corinthians 9.24, and I'm going to move quickly because I have to. So 1 Corinthians 9.24, Paul is saying, do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Let me simplify Pauline language for you. Run to win, right? Run to win. Don't just run. Everybody runs. Run to win, Okay, so we have the Olympics coming up in Rio here in uh, four or five weeks. Think of an Olympic athlete. Think of how they train. Think of how they prepare. Think of their determination. Think of their intensity. They know exactly at the, the exact level that they need to perform at. Would you guys agree with me? They know exactly the time that they have to, have, have, have to hit. Cheryl and I have been watching the swimmers. We're, we're, we're big Phelps fans along with the rest of the world, right? And he knows exactly the times. He knows exactly how fast he has to make the turns. He understands with precision the goal and the level that he has to hit if he wants to even have a chance at winning, right? And so I feel like there was games that went on in Rome, and that's what Paul is alluding to here. That's what he's talking about here. Compete the way that those guys compete, because they do it for a perishable crown, but we imperishable. But let's be driven. Let's be intense. Let's compete in that same way. Have I taken scripture out of context yet? Okay, good. So that's how the Lord wants us to live. Intense, passionate, competitive Christian lives. Competitive about what? Driven about what? Passionate about what? Pressing on 
which is what Paul talks about in Philippians 3. We'll go there in a bit. About what? Because you have to have an object to live life that way. Would you guys agree so far? Cool. Habakkuk 2.2, many of us know it. Write the vision down on tablets, make it plain, so that those who read it can run with it, right? So again, plain vision, simple vision empowers us to run and live life this way. In Philippians 3, particularly verse 12, Paul makes a statement that I think is unreal. Here it is. Not that I've already attained or am already perfected, but I press on, there it is again, that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Man, Paul can talk in riddles, can he? Did you guys hear it? But I press on that I may lay hold of that. Everybody say that. Now say it like it has all caps, that. I wanna lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus also laid hold of me. What's Paul saying? I wanna get a hold of that purpose, that reason, that specific thing that Jesus Christ saved me. I wanna get a hold of that. Yeah, it's the purpose, it's the reason that he rescued us and he redeemed us and he pulled us out, that he made us new, that. I wanna get a hold of that, right? Now, what are our chances of getting a hold of that unless we can define that? Not very good, right? So, let me just ask you the question. Why did he save us? What is the that? What is the goal of the Christian experience? Go ahead, don't be shy, I'll wait on you. Come on, loud and proud. Love like Christ, keep going. Come on, y'all. Do we think about it this little? Say it again, Pam. Abundant life. Overcomers. Keep going. See people's lives change. Keep going. Relationship. Good? Honor. Glorify. Good. Say it, say it like you mean it, Michael. Bring heaven to earth. Interesting, isn't it? Let me tell you what he didn't save us for. <laughs> I was having a conversation with Reagan, my 10-year-old daughter, the other day. And, you know, we spend, we spend time together pretty, pretty regularly talking about the Lord, you know, as, as a part of our bedtime routine, if you, if you could call it that. And we were having a conversation, and I, I don't even know what we were talking about, but I made the statement. I said, That's, that sounds like a weak Christian to me, right? And she said, but won't they, won't they make it into heaven? And I stopped her, and it just hit me like, Willow, you talk about the ton of bricks thing. It just hit me, and I said, that is the wrong question. Don't think like that. That's, that's not what the Lord calls us to, right? To have a minimalist mentality and think like, is this enough to get in? Will this be good enough to get in, right? Missing the boat, missing the picture, Big time. Why? What's one of the reasons? One, because if we think like that, we'll be like that guy that Corinthians talks about where it says his entire work and his entire reward, it was burned up, but he's gonna be saved, but as though by fire. Do you wanna be that guy? Me neither. I don't wanna be that guy. And there are gonna be those guys there. It's just not gonna be me, right? And it's not gonna be you. 
because that's not what the Lord wants, and we want to be after the heart of God. We are not saved to get into heaven, and here's why. Heaven is a place. Heaven's a place. Heaven's a city, right? And the only thing that makes it beautiful and glorious is the one that's there, the who of heaven. I was reading Revelation 22 lately, and it just rocked me. There's no temple in heaven because the Lord He's the temple. There's no sun or moon in heaven because the Lord, the Lamb, he is the light. It's the who of heaven that we're saved for. Heaven means as much to me as California does. No disrespect to those in California that love California. It's just a place. But it's made beautiful, and it's made glorious, and it's made incredible because of the who of heaven. The other thing we're saved for is not only the who of heaven, but the activity of heaven. What goes on there, which is Ephesians 2, 5 and 6, which says, we've been raised up, we've been seated with Christ in heavenly places so that the Father could show us the exceeding riches of his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus forever and ever and ever. So it is for him, and it is for that exchange between God and his people and God and his people and revelation and love and kindness that's going to go on and on and on and on and on and on. That's what we're saved for, right? So you guys said it. You said relationship. And a week ago, if I would have been sitting out there and you would have been preaching and you would ask me that question, what's the goal of the Christian experience? I would have said to know him. To know him. For those of you who know me and know me well, you know, that's my heartbeat, right? That's what I press towards. That's what I run after. And although I believe that to be the right answer, along with all others, guys, I understand that there's a lot here, and I'm going to be somewhat exclusive this morning. Because, again, if we're going to run, we've got to be narrow. And I feel like the Lord just expanded that this week for me and went, yeah, Brandon, that's good. That's right, to know me. And and today's about the and. Okay? You guys with me? Let me, let me, let me give you some scriptures real quick about knowing him and how it's the heartbeat of the Christian experience. John 17, three says this, this is eternal life, that they might know you, the one true God in Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. First John five twenty says this, the son of God has come and has given us understanding that we might know him who is true. And we are in him and in his son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. And Philippians three, nine and 10 says this, Paul again, talking about what he counted loss, everything else lost for, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. Righteousness, which is from God by faith. Here it is. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. So that is absolutely the right answer. I just believe it's not the whole picture. It's not the entire answer when we're asking the question, what's it all about? What's the goal? What can we run towards? 
What can we press towards? Hebrews 11.5 says this about Enoch. Enoch is the one who walked with God, and then God took him because he wanted to. If you can find a better explanation, then feel free to share it with me, right? But he says Enoch had this testimony that he pleased God. Now, I said that very quickly. Let me slow it down. Enoch had this testimony that he pleased God, right? Pleased is another one of those words in the English language that we say often but don't think a lot about. I want to break it down this way. If I'm pleased with you, Kristen, I find pleasure in you. Does that do anything for you guys? Man, that changes it for me. I find pleasure in you as a person. So when it says Enoch was pleased God, that means God the Father found pleasure in Enoch. That's amazing, y'all. That's incredible. Now, now what we're going to do, we've kind of established that. So I am, I am very much considering changing my life statement from to know him to to please him. And the reason I'm considering that is because of what's involved in the Lord finding pleasure in me. It's broader. It, it, it backs, takes a step back and covers more than just knowing him. And that's what we're going to talk about for the rest of the time here. So let's think about people that you know, people that know you, even some very well. Okay? You got some, you got some names? You got some faces in your head? Do you like all of them? <laughs> oh, I love the questions I ask on a Sunday morning. Okay, judging from the silence that came over the crowd, I'm going to assume that most of them probably you like. There's a couple, they kind of rub you the wrong way. They're difficult. You don't necessarily find pleasure in those relationships. At least it is a challenge for you to do so. Fair? Okay, now think about others that you do like. And I'm kind of using that word to say like as in, I'm pleased with this person. I find pleasure in this relationship. This relationship brings me joy. It's fun to have this relationship. It's encouraging to have this relationship. This relationship is a blessing to me. Right? Now, you have both of those? Now, let me make a point here. You know all those people. Right? Put it in the context of knowing the Lord. You know all those people but you only find pleasure in some of them. Why is that? I have a theory, and here it is. This is just the psychological mind of Brandon talking to you. I have a theory, because although you know all of those, and all of those know you, only a portion have done two things. They've both taken the time to find out what you hold dear what you hold important, your values, if you will. And then either naturally, because that's just who they are, or because they've worked their tail off to do it, they have aligned themselves with those same values. They have made what was important to you also important to them. And so you come together and you're like, we value the same things. We love the same things. We have the same things in common, right? And there's, there's all this commonality, there's all this aligning that takes place that makes that relationship as smooth as butter. Would you guys agree? 
And now those on the challenging side, because what you hold to be most important, they don't hold to be most important. And so there's kind of this constant friction or rubbing in those relationships. Does that make sense? Good. Perfect. So, Enoch pleased the Lord. And so here's what we see in that. Alignment, knowledge rather. Knowledge, knowing people, in this case that we just talked about, but it's the same principle with the Lord. Knowing the Lord, that word is gnosko in the Greek, right? It's knowing by experience. Knowing him is not the be all end all. Just like it's not in our relationships, right? Because we can know and not be pleased. And we can know him, and he can know us, and not be pleased. That's why taking a step back and running toward and working toward, Lord, I not only want to know you, I want you to be pleased with me, is a bigger vision that encompasses more. Have I lost anybody yet? Okay, good. Because when we talk about being pleased, there is this added element of alignment that comes into play. And it looks like this. As we know, we align. And then we discover something else, and we align. We discover, we align. We discover, we align. Okay? So that we're both knowing God by experience and becoming like him. The title for the message today is Pleasing God, colon, knowing and becoming. And this is what the Lord revealed to me, y'all. And it was humbling because I kind of go, Lord, I mean, I'm just now seeing that, making that connection. I kind of felt slow, right? And maybe you're all ahead of me here. I'm just being honest. Just being honest. But this is how it went for me. Brandon, you've got knowing me way up here. Call it a 10 on a scale of the 1 to 10. But becoming like me, it's about a 5 for you. I gave less priority to becoming like him than I gave to knowing him. And he called me on it. And I'm thankful. And he's calling you on it. And I'm thankful. Right? Because the message today is about giving these two equal priority and equal importance in our lives. Let me say this. Our experience with God alone is not the measure of our maturity. Did you hear that? Our experience with God alone is not the measure of our maturity, but also the degree to which we allow ourselves to be changed by that same experience. So you've got this link, both knowing him and becoming like him, experiencing him and being changed. Do you guys see it? Good. Let me give you a couple of scriptures along lines of how the Lord wants us to be changed or conformed to his image. Romans 8, 29 is incredible and says this. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. 
Did you guys hear it? Who before knew he predestined. Predestined to what? Predestined to be conformed to the image of Jesus. Now, this is in stages. So let me mention these to you, right? We are spirit, soul, and body, right? And that's how we're going to be conformed in those phases, if you will, to the image of Jesus. Spirit, soul, and body. So phase one, spirit, right? Done. I got good news, guys. Done. When we met the Lord, when we made him Lord and Christ and Master and Savior, our spirit was made like him, reborn. He breathed into it. He made it new. It became alive with the life of God. We became the righteousness of God. That part of the work, done. You guys agree? Perfect. Now, let's jump to phase three, the body, right? When our body's gonna be conformed. And that is found also in Philippians 3. Verses 20 and 21, listen to this. Our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body. This is amazing. The Lord's vision for transforming us, for conforming us to his image, his exact image. Spirit, done. Body, to be done. At his return, soul, in progress, right now. This is the time of grace. This is the time for us to work on our soul, being conformed to the image of Jesus, following the the transformation, following the, the conforming of our spirit, in preparation for the conforming of our body, because things flow, spirit, soul, body. Why? Why do you set it up like that, Brandon? Because I want to be ready. I want phase two to be there by the time phase three starts. I don't want to have a lazy approach to just say, eh, it doesn't really matter how much progress I make on phase two. When I, when I see the Lord, if I die before he comes or in that moment when he returns, he'll just take care of the rest of phase two. I don't want to have that approach. I want to run. I want to press. Toward what? Toward my mind, my will, and my emotions becoming like the mind, will, and emotions of Christ. Phase two, right now. That's why Romans 12, 2 says, don't be conformed to the world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's the time that we're in. Now, this is really cool to see this, y'all. I'm gonna go through several more scriptures, a lot of scripture. Why? Because Brandon wants you to know he's not making it up. I want you to know I'm just not just having good ideas over here. I wanna show you scriptures where we see both knowing him by experience and becoming like him. Knowing him and becoming like him. Everybody say it. Knowing him and becoming like him. Brandon, show those both side by side to me in scripture. Okay, here we go. I'm glad you asked. Micah. 6-8, Micah 6-8. You can go there, you can listen, either way, whatever. He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justly, love mercy, and walk humbly with your God? What's the walk humbly with your God? Knowing him, right? You see it? Walking with him, experiencing him. What's the do justly and the love mercy? Becoming like him. You got it. You see him side by side? Do you see how they're different? 
walk with, walk with me, know me, but also become like me. Do justly. Love mercy. You can see both of them right there. Now, that's always been one of my favorite scriptures, but it just kicked up even higher because it has those two. Philippians 3.10, we read it earlier. We're gonna read it again. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Did you hear it? That I may know him. There it is. And being conformed to the image of his death. Knowing him, being conformed, knowing him, being conformed, side by side. Why? Because the Lord values them both equally. That is the word of the Lord, y'all. It's gonna get no more impressive than that right there. Side by side, because the Lord values them equally. And if you're like me, you may not be at a place where you've been valuing them equally. And so the Lord wants to shift that encouragingly, upliftingly, with life. He wants to shift that. Let me give you one more. Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 3.18. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. Do you guys hear it? Beholding, knowing him, experiencing him, being transformed. There they are, right there together. That is so beautiful, y'all. I am so moved by that. I can't even put it into words. Getting the heart of God, getting a hold of the that, that Jesus redeemed us for. If we're gonna truly please God, it's gonna take both knowing him by experience and becoming like him. Having a heart that says, change me, Lord. Change me. Having a heart that says, yes. You want me to make that change? You want me to give that up? You want me to start doing that? Yes. Why? Because Jesus, this is what you went to the cross for. So I could be transformed. So I could be changed. I have one last topic to cover. Will you guys give me another seven minutes? The relationship between these two is tricky. All right? This is the warning part of the message. Now, Knowing him and becoming like him. You can't become like him without knowing him. So we can't do the second apart from the first. Would you guys agree with that? We just read that in 2 Corinthians 3.18. That we're changed as we behold him. So there is no change without the beholding. However, we can know him by experience. We can experience the Lord, the power, the presence, and the love of God, and not be changed a bit. That's the warning. That's the warning. Say, show it to me in Scripture, Brandon. I don't believe you. Okay. I will. I will. But before I do, I really just want you to hear this. Let me, let me give you an example of what it looks like, right? Because it's a choice to know him and experience him. It's a separate choice. It's a separate act of our will to take what we just what we now know, to take what we just discovered, to take what we just experienced and transform that into living differently. It's a separate act. One feeds the other, 
The revelation, the experience empowers the change, but it's still a separate choice of the will. For example, forgiveness, right? Forgiveness. When we experience the love and mercy of God and we go, he's forgiven me of everything, everything I've ever done. He's washed it away. It's an incredible experience with the Lord, right? And we are empowered at that point to give that same mercy and love and forgiveness to other people. But we can still turn right around from that experience and say, I can't. What you did hurts too bad, too deep. I can't. I can't forgive that. That's what I mean by their separate choices. And although the Lord, with all of his heart, wants the experience and the knowledge to flow into giving that away and becoming like him, it is not automatic. Does that help? Okay, let's look at a couple of let's look at a couple of verses here, because I want to show you that again, I'm not coming up with good ideas here. It's in Scripture. Matthew seven twenty one through twenty three. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father. In heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name and do many wonders in your name? Did you hear it? They knew God by experience, right? Unless they're lying and all that was false, which could be, but the way I read it is, we had legitimate experiences in your name, Lord. We prophesied in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We did many wonders in your name. We experienced you. We knew you by experience. And Jesus said, get away from me. I never knew you. Depart from me. Don't miss this. You who practice lawlessness. Depart from me. You who practice lawlessness. What happened? What happened? They experienced him, and they were never changed. They experienced him, they walked with him, they knew him, they saw miracles, and they were never changed. And he said, get away from me. Because the Lord values them equally. What about Judas? What about Judas? Judas saw the deaf hear, the blind see, the lame walk, the dead raised. Judas sat at the Lord's feet and heard him share from his heart the word by the Spirit with the power of the Spirit. For three years, Judas was in the boat of 12 that was transported miles across the lake. In a moment of time, he saw Jesus walk on the water. He saw Peter walk on the water, and he was never changed but he knew the Lord. He experienced the Lord continually. But he was not willing to change. Reiterating my point here, just because we experience the Lord, because I promise you, if you're in this building, you experience the Lord week after week. Just because we experience the Lord, it is not automatic that we change. It's a choice, and it's a choice that we have to value, and it's a choice that we have to be intentional about, and it's a choice that we have to press towards, and we have to fight for, and we have to run after, as Paul says. 
in his word. Last place we're gonna go today. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse one. I'm gonna read it. I'm gonna talk about it for a minute. We're gonna pray. Now remember the context going into one. Paul just said, run, run to win. Run, 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 right? Moreover, that's like a therefore. That is why I just said what I just said. Here it is. Brethren, if I do not want you to be unaware that all of our fathers, everybody say all. All of our fathers were under the cloud. All passed through the sea. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food. All drank the same spiritual drink. For that they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. Stop. Eyes up here. Don't keep reading. Did they experience the Lord? Did they know the Lord? Did they experience the glory of God in amazing ways? These guys were at Sinai. They saw God come down on top of a mountain and have a meal with men. But with most of them, God was not well pleased. They knew the Lord. They had the experience. Experiences that you and I probably dream about. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples. Who is this written for? Who is this written for? Us, you and me. These things became our examples. Why? To the intent that we should not lust after evil things just as they lusted. Written for us. Why? So we wouldn't lust after evil things. So we would be changed. So we would be transformed. That's why this is here. Seven. And do not be idolaters, as were some of them, as it is written. The people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. That's talking about the golden calf when they created that. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 fell. Nor let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents. Nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. All these things happened to them as examples. They were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Now listen, when they committed adultery and, and created that calf, Moses came down, broke the tablets, burned the calf, spread the ashes into the water, and then made them drink it. And then 3,000 people were slaughtered by the sword. And then after that, the Lord plagued them. This is the same God that we just sang to 15 minutes ago. The sexual immorality that was committed with the women of Moab, the offenders were hanged, two others were speared through, and then 23,000 were killed. The tempters, these, these guys got discouraged and they complained. They, they despised where God had brought them. They despised his purpose. They despised his provision. And he sent snakes to bite them and many died. And the complainers, that's the rebellion of Korah. Korah, the family of Korah and about 250 others came to Moses and Aaron and the Levites and said, what's so special about you? Why do you have to facilitate the temple? We're just as good. Moses said, come back tomorrow, we'll see who the Lord chooses. The earth opened up its mouth and swallowed up Korah and his family. 250 others were consumed by fire. And then the Lord sent a plague that was quickly stopped, but not before it killed 14,700 people. Why? Why do you tell us all that, Brandon? Because the Lord's serious. He's serious. He's not playing games, right? When the Lord says, stop it, he's not playing games. 
He's as serious about us changing and becoming like him as he is us experiencing him at all and us knowing him at all. Knowing him and becoming like him. Those have to have equal value in our hearts. And the other thing we have to understand and have to take with us leaving here today is that just because I know him doesn't mean I'll be changed. I have to choose it. I have to fight for it with everything inside of me, recognizing this is the reason Jesus went to the cross. Amen. Let it be, Lord. I'm committed, y'all. This message has changed my life. Now, here's the deal. I've been working on it for more hours than you want to know. You've gotten 30 minutes. 38 minutes, right? And so you have to figure out a way to, to see the value. And I, I pray that the Spirit of God is communicating with you. Because if you will get this down in your heart, it will change you. You will live differently from this day until you breathe your last. I've got two things. Michael's going to play a quick, very quick song. I've got two things that I can tell you. The Lord's told me to surrender that I've been unwilling to surrender. Two that I'm aware of. Unless I'm the only one in the room, there's others. There's others. I'm going to pray for you. And while Michael plays, I just, I really, 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 with all my heart, want to encourage you. Say yes to the Lord in those areas. This is a big deal. Father, I'm going to say yes to you. To these two things, God, and the many others that you'll show me until I see you face to face. Because, Jesus, I no longer believe that you did what you did for the sole purpose that we can know you. I believe that you did what you did so that we can experience you and become like you. So that we can know you and discover and then align and then discover something else and then align and then discover and then align. May this be the heart of this people. I pray. Jesus name. Once again, thank you for listening to the East Side Church podcast. If you have any questions or need more information, please visit our website eastsidechurch.co.